so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Galatians 5.1 Paul wrote these words to the early church, seeing that the Galatians were prone to abandon their freedom in Christ for the bondage of the Old Testament law. These words are a reminder that freedom must be treasured and maintained. On July 4, 1776, America's forefathers established the Declaration of Independence, putting their lives on the line and launching the Revolutionary War. Of these 56 signers, five were captured and tortured. Twelve had their homes burned to the ground, and nine died of wounds or hardships from battle. All in all, 6,800 Americans lost their lives in this fight against tyranny, paying the ultimate price for the freedom we often take for granted. Like the Apostle Paul's warning to the early church, many Americans seem eager to trade their freedom for the cheap safety of a political promise to shelter them from cradle to grave. This is not progress. This is not freedom. This is the same old tyranny we fought in 1776. In the words of Ronald Reagan, Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. This 4th of July, let us not take anything for granted. Rather, let us remember who we are. Let us stand with boldness and protect our God-given rights to freedom. In a world driven by fear and negative headlines, may we become solid and steadfast like the 56 men who put it all on the line for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. On this Independence Day, embrace your freedom and never let it go. Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. Andrew brought good news to me. I could understand the Bible more the way he taught it. Jesus forgave you one time, and that's for everything. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Friday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today is the very last day that I'm going to be teaching on a subject that I have entitled, uh, A Better Way to Pray. I've been teaching on this for either four or five weeks now, and I tell you, we there's still a lot more I could say, but we've covered basically the material that's in this book, and this teaching is a life changer. I tell you, if you don't understand the basics that we've talked about in here. It's going to lead to many, many problems in your relationship with God. And I have specifically entitled this A Better Way to Pray. I understand that not everybody prays this way. There was a time that I used to pray totally differently, but I didn't get as many good results. It wasn't working as well. I've, in, I've discovered a better way to pray. This may not be the best way yet. I'm still learning, but what I've learned has certainly impacted me, and I know that this would change you. And today is my last day to make these materials available. I not only have it in English, but I have it in Spanish in the book, and then we have a study guide and DVDs and CDs, and I encourage you to please go to the effort. I know that a lot of people are doing other things, and you forget, so you just need to go to the effort 
of requesting this and getting it today. Today will be our last day to make this offer over television. I've been talking from Daniel chapter 9 and chapter 10 how that Daniel prayed two prayers, in the, one prayer in the ninth chapter, one prayer in the tenth chapter. In the ninth chapter, it took three minutes for his answer to prayer to manifest. And in the tenth chapter, it took three weeks. And people think, why did God do that? God didn't do that. Both messengers, when they appeared unto Daniel, said, from the first day, God answered your prayer. So God answered both prayers instantly. It wasn't God who didn't come through and it wasn't faithful. He wasn't the difference in these things. God was the same. But in the 10th chapter, there was a demonic opposition against God's uh, answer to prayer. And Satan was able to block Daniel from receiving this prayer for 21 days. And what I've been teaching this last week is that prayer is a process. God moves instantly. If you ask, God does give it. God gives it to you. But there are things that have to happen for it to come into physical manifestation where you can perceive it and see it. But in the spiritual realm, there's a lot of stuff going on. I've used this example, which I, you know, it's the first time I'd ever done it. And I thought it was really good that when you download something on the internet or a file on your computer, you know, you, you have this little thing that comes up and it starts showing downloading and it shows you where you are, what percentage or how many megabytes or whatever are still to go. And it shows you the progress that you're making. If you could just get a visual picture of this, that when you pray, boom, at that moment, God starts downloading your answer to you, but it could take a period of time for that transaction to be complete. And most people don't think this way. They think God can just instantly do things, but there are things involved. Sometimes it's demonic. Sometimes there are things in us that are hindering the things of God, like for instance, the man who tried to get the demon cast out of his boy, uh, he said, if you can help us do anything, help. And Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. And the man said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. In other words, he had faith, but he was wavering in his faith and that can be a hindrance and the Lord had to help him to overcome that. So there's just a lot of things involved. Let me give you an illustration here out of Mark chapter eight. And in verse 22, this is one of the most unusual experiences recorded about Jesus in the Bible. And it says in Mark chapter 8 and in verse 22 that he cometh to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Now, as I said, this has to be one of the most unusual occurrences. This is an instance where Jesus actually prayed for a person twice, and it's the only instance that he would ask somebody after he prayed for him, says, Tell me, can you see? Did it work? Is there a manifestation? Now, this is very unusual, and there's a lot of things to learn in here. First of all, in verse 22, it says, He came to Bethsaida, and they brought him a blind man unto him, besought him to touch him. And in verse 23, And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Now, why did he do this? 
I'VE LITERALLY HEARD PEOPLE SAY BEFORE THAT JESUS JUST DID WEIRD THINGS. HE WOULD DO THINGS DIFFERENTLY SO THAT NOBODY COULD MAKE A FORMULA AND ESTABLISH A PATTERN OUT OF IT. GOD IS JUST TOTALLY RANDOM. YOU NEVER KNOW WHAT GOD'S GOING TO DO. I BELIEVE THAT THAT IS COMPLETELY INCONSISTENT WITH THE GOD WHO CREATED THIS UNIVERSE, AND THERE IS SUCH ORDER. IT IS SO PRECISE THAT YOU CAN PREDICT WHERE EVERYTHING IN THE UNIVERSE WAS 10,000 YEARS AGO. YOU CAN PREDICT WHERE IT'S GOING TO BE IN 10,000 YEARS IF THE LORD TARRIES. I MEAN, EVERYTHING IS SO PRECISE, IT IS SO ORDERLY TO THINK THAT A GOD WHO CREATED SUCH ORDER IS HIMSELF DISORDERLY AND UNPREDICTABLE IS INCONSISTENT. I BELIEVE THAT WHEN HE GRABBED THIS MAN BY THE HAND AND TOOK HIM OUT OF THE TOWN, THERE WAS A REASON FOR IT. JESUS WAS IN SUCH DEMAND. PEOPLE WERE PRESSING ON HIM. I MEAN, HE COULDN'T GO ANYWHERE. AND TO TAKE A MAN BY THE HAND AND WALK OUT OF TOWN... YOU KNOW, I DON'T KNOW HOW FAR THIS WAS, BUT LET'S SAY IT WAS A MILE. YOU KNOW, TO GET THROUGH THE TOWN AND OUT OF TOWN, IF IT WAS A MILE, IF IT WAS TWO MILES, WELL, THEN THAT'S AT LEAST uh, PROBABLY 15 TO 30 MINUTES. AND HE WAS IN SUCH DEMAND TO TAKE 30 MINUTES OUT OF HIS SCHEDULE AND JUST GRAB THIS MAN BY THE HAND AND WALK OUT OF TOWN. I CAN GUARANTEE YOU THAT WASN'T RANDOM. THERE WAS A REASON FOR IT. AND I BELIEVE THAT THE REASON IS OVER IN LUKE CHAPTER 10, JESUS SPOKE AND HE SAID, WOE UNTO THEE, CHORAZIN, WOE UNTO THEE, BETHSAIDA. THAT'S THE PLACE THAT HE FOUND THIS MAN IN. HE SAYS, FOR IF THE MIGHTY WORKS HAD BEEN DONE IN TYRE AND SIDON THAT HAD BEEN DONE IN YOU, THEY WOULD HAVE REPENTED LONG TIME AGO. BUT BECAUSE THEY uh, DIDN'T HAVE AS GREAT A WITNESS AS YOU'VE HAD. THEREFORE, YOUR JUDGMENT IS GOING TO BE WORSE. YOU ARE GOING TO RECEIVE A GREATER CONDEMNATION. SO JESUS SAID THAT Bethsaida WAS ONE OF THE TWO MOST WICKED OR UNBELIEVING PLACES THAT HE HAD EVER BEEN TO. AND I BELIEVE THAT THAT'S THE REASON HE GRABBED THE MAN BY THE HAND AND TOOK HIM OUT OF THE TOWN, IS BECAUSE THE UNBELIEF OF OTHER PEOPLE COULD BE A HINDRANCE AND STOP THE HEALING POWER THAT GOD WANTED TO FLOW TOWARDS THIS MAN FROM MANIFESTING. I KNOW SOME OF YOU THINK, OH, NO, JESUS COULD DO ANYTHING HE WANTED TO. OVER IN MARK CHAPTER 6, LET ME JUST READ THIS TO YOU. IN MARK CHAPTER 6 IS WHERE JESUS WAS IN HIS HOMETOWN, AND BECAUSE THE PEOPLE KNEW HIM, THEY HAD SEEN HIM, THEY GREW UP WITH HIM, THEY REJECTED HIM, AND JESUS SAID, A PROPHET IS NOT WITHOUT HONOR, BUT IN HIS OWN COUNTRY AND AMONG HIS OWN KIN AND IN HIS OWN HOUSE. AND IN MARK CHAPTER 6, VERSE 5, IT SAYS, AND HE COULD THERE DO NO MIGHTY WORK, SAVE THAT HE LAID HIS HANDS UPON A FEW SICK FOLK AND HEALED THEM, AND HE MARVELED BECAUSE OF THEIR UNBELIEF. NOW, NOTICE IT SAYS, IT DIDN'T SAY THAT HE WOULDN'T DO ANY MIGHTY WORK. IT SAID HE COULDN'T DO ANY MIGHTY WORK. NOW, THAT IS REALLY SIGNIFICANT. OVER IN MATTHEW CHAPTER 13, THIS SAME INSTANCE IS RECORDED, BUT IT'S WORDED JUST A LITTLE BIT DIFFERENTLY. AND HERE IN MATTHEW CHAPTER 13, VERSE 57, IT SAYS, THEY WERE OFFENDED IN HIM, BUT JESUS SAID UNTO THEM, A PROPHET IS NOT WITHOUT HONOR, BUT IN HIS OWN COUNTRY AND IN HIS OWN HOUSE. AND HE DID NOT MANY MIGHTY WORKS THERE BECAUSE OF THEIR UNBELIEF. OVER IN MARK CHAPTER 6, VERSE 5, IT SAYS, HE COULD DO NO MIGHTY WORK, AND YOU PUT THESE TOGETHER. MARK SAYS HE COULD DO, NOT THAT HE WOULDN'T DO IT. HE COULDN'T DO IT. AND MATTHEW SAYS IT WAS BECAUSE OF THEIR UNBELIEF. SO THIS IS SAYING THAT THE UNBELIEF OF OTHER PEOPLE STOPPED WHAT GOD WANTED TO DO, EVEN WHEN IT WAS THROUGH JESUS. NOW, JESUS WAS PERFECT. JESUS WAS SINLESS. THERE WAS NO FAULT. THERE WAS NO SIN. THERE WAS NO FAILURE IN HIM. HE WAS ABSOLUTELY PERFECT, AND YET, 
the Son of God operating in the full measure of the power of God could not do miracles when other people's unbelief was around. And I know that there's people watching this program that this just rubs you the wrong way. You're saying that God is limited, that God is left. No, I'm saying that God is almighty, but He has chosen to not force Himself on anybody. If you doubt, you can do without. You have to believe in order to receive. God doesn't force Himself upon you. That doesn't speak against His almightiness. He is almighty, but He has chosen not to violate our free will. And we have to cooperate. You can look at people in the Old Testament, Elijah, Elisha, in the New Testament, Peter. Uh, when they raised people from the dead, they sought seclusion. When Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, all of the people who were mocking him and laughing at him in Mark chapter 5, he put them out and he wouldn't let them in. He only let the father and the mother of the child and three of his disciples in, and then he raised her from the dead. This is a consistent thing that when you are releasing the supernatural power of God, the unbelief of people around you can affect the results, even if you are operating perfectly the way that Jesus was. So, based on all of those things that I said, I believe this is why he grabbed the man by the hand and took him out of the town, is because he realized that Bethsaida was one of these two most ungodly, unbelieving places he had ever been, and if he left the man in the town and tried to minister to him, he was going to have trouble getting this man healed. Not because God didn't give, not because Jesus didn't believe, but because the unbelief of other people hindered things. I tell you, there is a direct parallel here to many people who are watching this program. There are some of you who watch me and other people, and you get faith, and you believe God wants to heal and do miracles, and yet you go to a church that teaches against all of this stuff, that ridicules it, calls me and other people false prophets. How dare you listen to these people? And they are against everything you stand for. And here you are trying to believe for a miraculous healing and yet you are around unbelief. Did you know if you think that you can receive your healing like that, well, then you think you're better off than Jesus because Jesus could not do many mighty works because of their unbelief, and yet you think you can. It doesn't work that way. See, this is a hindrance that a lot of people just don't take into account, and they stay in these churches that are dead, 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 dead churches. And yet you stay there and you're trying to receive and can't understand what the hindrance is to your prayer. It could be the atmosphere. It could be the circle of friends that you have and all of the unbelief. And these things hinder the power of God. So Jesus knew this. He took the man by the hand to get him out of the town. But then, even though he got the man out of the town, he knew that there was still some of the town in the man. Some of the unbelief, some of the criticism and the things that made Bethsaida such a wicked place. Some of those attitudes were still in this man. And so when Jesus prayed for this man, after he laid hands on him and prayed for him, he asked him what he saw. Now, this is the only instance where Jesus asked somebody he prayed for, you know, about, so is it manifest? Have you, do you feel healed? And I believe the reason he did this, he didn't doubt that God the Father had given him power. He didn't doubt the words he spoke came to pass. 
See, he knew that it was a done deal in the spirit realm. The power was released. But to get something from the spirit into the physical realm depends on a lot of things. And doubt and unbelief can hinder the manifestation of God's power. The unbelief of other people around you can hinder the manifestation. And so even though Jesus was 100% confident that God's power was flowing through him, that the healing had come to this man, he asked the man, could he see? And the reason wasn't to doubt, did God move? Did I operate properly? No, he knew what God had done, what he had done, but he was asking this man, how are you receiving? How, how is this going? Are you complete? And the man said, well, I can see man as trees walking. Now, prior to this time, he was completely blind. And so the very fact that he could see a little bit, if there was any doubt, which there was no doubt in Jesus, but if there had been any doubt, that should have taken all doubt out of the equation, and he should have just rejoiced. But instead, Jesus prayed for him again, not because he doubted that God had healed him. He didn't doubt the first time. And certainly he wouldn't have doubted after he saw such a miraculous partial healing, such a partial manifestation. The reason Jesus laid hands on him a second time was not because he was trying to get God to do something that he didn't completely do the first time. It wasn't because Jesus said, oh, I just didn't give it enough the first time. No, unbelief, other people's unbelief, doubt and fear, things like this, hinder the power of God, as it says in Mark chapter 6, verse 5. He could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. But he realized that if there was not a complete manifestation, the healing process had already begun, and that's evident because he could see men as trees walking. You know, many of you watching this program, you've never prayed for a blind person, and you've never seen their eyes open, but I have. And I remember this one man that I prayed for, and he had a cane. He was absolutely, totally blind, couldn't even see light. And I prayed for him. He was a brand new Christian. He'd just been born again less than a week, first time he'd ever come to one of my ministry things. And I just thought, well, you know, it's liable to be a process here. And so I was going to encourage him to stand. And after I prayed for him, he couldn't even see light before. And all of a sudden, he says, I see light. And then he could see a clock on the wall. He couldn't read what time it was, but he says, I see the clock and I see the cord going down the wall. And he just started describing things. He walked in totally blind. He couldn't see anything. And even though it wasn't perfect, just the fact that he could see a partial bit, I mean, people went wild. People went to praising God. We knew that if the healing power of God had started like that, then it would be complete and this guy would see perfectly. Well, Jesus saw this man who had never seen anything all of a sudden able to see men like trees walking. And that was exciting. But he laid hands on him a second time, not because he doubted that he had been healed the first time, but it was like if Satan, if this unbelief that is hindering you, this, this doubt and fear that was in Bethsaida is still in you. If it could withstand one dose of the Holy Ghost, it'll never stand, withstand a second dose. And he laid hands on him a second time, not praying a prayer of unbelief that God, it didn't work the first time. Maybe it'll work the second time. No, it was obvious that the power of God was at work in him, but he just didn't want to send this man back into an unbelieving situation with a partial healing because the chances were that this unbelief would either cause this man to lose his healing, which in the fifth chapter of the book of John, he told the man who was healed at the pool of Bethsaida, he says, go and sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. 
SO JESUS MINISTERED COMPLETE HEALING TO A LAME MAN, BUT TOLD HIM YOU COULD LOSE IT, yet SOMETHING WORSE COULD COME UPON YOU IF YOU GO BACK AND LIVE IN SIN. AND SO THAT SHOWS THAT JUST BECAUSE JESUS HEALS YOU DOESN'T MEAN IT'S GOING TO BE PERMANENT. YOU HAVE TO CONTINUE TO BELIEVE AND STAND IN FAITH. THIS MAN COULD HAVE LOST HIS HEALING GOING BACK AROUND THIS UNBELIEF, OR HE COULD HAVE JUST STOPPED AND GOT TO WHERE HE NEVER SAW PERFECTLY. HE JUST SAW A PARTIAL EYESIGHT, AND THE LORD DIDN'T WANT THAT. SO HE LAID HANDS ON HIM A SECOND TIME. BOY, THIS IS POWERFUL. AND THE SECOND TIME, HE WASN'T PRAYING, CANCELING OUT HIS FIRST PRAYER. HE KNEW THAT THE FIRST TIME HE MINISTERED, THE HEALING POWER OF GOD FLOWED, BUT HE WAS STANDING AGAINST THE OPPOSITION, THE UNBELIEF, THE DEMONIC OPPOSITION AGAINST THIS, AND HE JUST CONTINUED TO STAND AND PRAY. DID YOU KNOW I DO THIS? I TELL PEOPLE THAT IF I PRAY FOR THEM, I'LL ASK THEM, SO HOW ARE YOU? DO YOU HAVE ANY PAIN LEFT? DO YOU STILL HAVE THE TUMOR? DO YOU HAVE THIS? DO YOU HAVE THIS? AND I'LL ASK. AND IF YOU DON'T SEE A FULL MANIFESTATION, I'LL PRAY WITH THEM A SECOND TIME, AND I'LL TAKE MY AUTHORITY, AND I'LL SAY, PAIN, I COMMAND YOU TO GO. SOME PEOPLE THINK, WELL, ONE OF THOSE TWO PRAYERS WAS IN UNBELIEF. THAT'S ASSUMING THAT when ONCE YOU ASK FOR SOMETHING, THAT, YOU KNOW, YOU JUST HAVE TO STAND THERE AND NOT DO ANYTHING. I BELIEVE AN EVEN GREATER THING IS TO UNDERSTAND THAT THE MOMENT I PRAYED, GOD GAVE, AND I DO NOT DOUBT THAT GOD HAS ANSWERED MY PRAYER, BUT I'M AWARE THAT SATAN CAN HINDER MY PRAYER. MY UNBELIEF CAN HINDER MY PRAYER. THERE'S MULTIPLE THINGS HERE. AND IF I KNOW THAT, WELL, THEN I LOOK DIRECTLY AT WHAT THE PROBLEM IS, AND IF I DO NOT SEE THE MANIFESTATION OF WHAT I WANT, I WILL CONTINUE TO PRAY, AND I WILL START REBUKING THE DEVIL. I'LL PRAY FOR GOD TO GIVE ME WISDOM AND REVELATION IF I NEED TO MAKE ANY ADJUSTMENTS. BUT INSTEAD OF IGNORING SOMETHING, I'LL FACE IT AND DEAL WITH IT. YOU KNOW, EARLIER IN THE WEEK, I GAVE AN EXAMPLE OF HAVING A GANGLION CYST ON MY WRIST, AND I PRAYED OVER IT, AND PRIOR TO THAT TIME, I HAD PRAYED, AND I'D BELIEVED THAT GOD HAD HEALED ME. AND THE WAY I HAD TRIED TO REACT TO IT WAS, I'D JUST STICK IT BEHIND MY BACK. I'D STICK MY WATCH BAND OVER IT, AND I'D TRY AND IGNORE IT. AND I WAS THINKING THAT WAS FAITH. WELL, THAT IS MORE FAITH THAN PRAYING, LOOKING AT THE SITUATION, AND IF YOU DON'T SEE THE RESULTS YOU WANT, JUST SAYING, WELL, GOD DIDN'T DO ANYTHING. THAT'S TOTAL UNBELIEF. AND SO IT'S MORE FAITH TO PRAY AND THEN JUST TRY AND IGNORE IT AND NOT THINK ABOUT IT AND NOT FOCUS ON IT. THAT'S A STEP IN THE RIGHT DIRECTION, BUT I BELIEVE THAT THE BEST IS IF YOU CAN UNDERSTAND THAT THE MOMENT YOU PRAYED, GOD GAVE, AND THEN IF YOU DON'T SEE THE RESULTS THAT YOU WANT, INSTEAD OF LOOKING AT IT AND RESPONDING IN UNBELIEF, YOU LOOK AT IT AND SAY, YOU HAVE BEEN HEALED, AND WHATEVER IT IS THAT IS HINDERING THIS THING FROM COMING TO PASS, I REBUKE IT NOW IN THE NAME OF JESUS, AND YOU FIGHT AGAINST IT. THAT IS THE BEST WAY TO DEAL WITH IT. AND THAT'S WHAT JESUS DID RIGHT HERE. HE WASN'T DOUBTING THAT GOD HAD HEALED. HE JUST WAS AWARE THAT THERE WAS UNBELIEF IN THIS MAN, AND HE HAD TO HELP HIM OVER IT. IT WOULD BE EASIER FOR HIM TO GET A COMPLETE, FULL HEALING AND KEEP IT THAN TO GET A PARTIAL HEALING AND TRY AND CONTINUE TO STAND AND BELIEVE GOD AND WORK THROUGH IT UNTIL HE GOT THE WHOLE THING. AND SO JESUS PRAYED FOR HIM A SECOND TIME. IT'S NOT WRONG TO PRAY OVER SOMETHING MULTIPLE TIMES IF YOU AREN'T ASKING FOR IT OVER AND OVER. IF YOU ONLY ASK ONE TIME AND BELIEVE THAT YOU RECEIVE, THEN THE REST OF THE TIME YOU ARE JUST ENFORCING WHAT YOU BELIEVE GOD HAS DONE. AND I'M NOT... FATHER, I DON'T DOUBT THAT YOU'VE HEALED ME, BUT I STILL HAVE A PAIN. I STILL HAVE THIS. THE DOCTOR STILL SAYS THIS. AND SO I'M HEALED, BUT I COMMAND MY BODY TO LINE UP WITH THIS. 
SEE, YOU CAN PRAY THAT KIND OF PRAYER AS OFTEN AS YOU HAVE A PAIN OR WHATEVER IT IS THAT YOU'RE DEALING WITH. YOU KNOW, I HAD A SITUATION WHERE I PRAYED WITH A GUY WHO WAS BLIND. AND AFTER I PRAYED OVER HIM, I HAD HIM COVER UP HIS GOOD EYE AND LOOK THROUGH HIS BAD EYE, AND I SAID, HOW MANY FINGERS AM I HOLDING UP? AND HE COULDN'T EVEN SEE LIGHT OUT OF THAT EYE. I HAD TO TURN HIS HEAD AND POINT IT TOWARDS WHERE MY FINGER WAS. AND IMMEDIATELY WHEN THAT HAPPENED, I COULD JUST FEEL THE UNBELIEF IN THAT ROOM. SO I DISMISSED THE CROWD. I SENT THE PEOPLE HOME. AND I SAID, THOSE OF YOU WHO ARE IN FAITH AND BELIEVE THAT GOD HAS HEALED HIM AND THAT WE'RE JUST GOING TO STAND AND BREAK WHATEVER THE HINDRANCES ARE, YOU CAN STAY AND PRAY. AND THERE WAS A FEW PEOPLE THAT STAYED AND PRAYED. AND ANYWAY, WE PRAYED FOR LIKE 20 OR 30 MINUTES OVER THIS GUY. AND EVERY ONCE IN A WHILE, I'D HAVE HIM STOP, COVER UP HIS GOOD EYE AND SAY, HOW MANY FINGERS AM I HOLDING UP? AND HE COULDN'T EVEN SEE MY FINGER. AND AFTER ABOUT 20, 30 MINUTES OF THIS, I WAS PRAYING AND I SAID, GOD, I KNOW THAT YOU'VE HEALED HIM. WHAT IS THE HINDRANCE? AND I JUST HAD THIS THOUGHT COME TO ME. HE DOESN'T NEED A HEALING. HE NEEDS A MIRACLE. AND I HAD NEVER THOUGHT OF THE DIFFERENCE BETWEEN A HEALING AND A MIRACLE. AND AS I WAS PONDERING THIS, MY ASSOCIATE, DON CROW, HE SAID, GOD JUST SPOKE TO ME AND SAID, HE DOESN'T NEED A HEALING. HE NEEDS A MIRACLE. IT WAS WORD FOR WORD WHAT GOD SPOKE TO ME. SO I STOPPED AND I SAID, WHAT'S WRONG WITH YOU ANYWAY? AND HE SAID WHEN HE WAS A BABY, HE HAD AN INFECTION AND THE DOCTOR SURGICALLY REMOVED THE LENS AND THE RETINA FROM HIS EYE. HE DIDN'T EVEN HAVE THE PARTS OF HIS EYE THAT HE NEEDED TO SEE. AND I SAID, WELL, YOU DON'T NEED A HEALING. YOU NEED A MIRACLE. SO THEN I PRAYED AGAIN, NOT DOUBTING THAT GOD HAD RELEASED THE POWER, BUT I WAS BEING SPECIFIC AND I SPOKE WITH MY WORDS AND I PUT MY HANDS OVER HIS EYES AND I SAID, IN THE NAME OF JESUS, I COMMAND A LENS AND RETINA TO COME INTO THIS EYE. THEN I HAD HIM COVER UP HIS GOOD EYE AND LOOK, AND I SAID, HOW MANY FINGERS DO I HAVE UP? AND HE WENT ONE, TWO, HE COULD SEE. AND SEE, IT TOOK US 30 MINUTES PRAYING TO KIND OF ZERO IN ON WHAT THE DEAL WAS. GOD GAVE US A WORD, WE SPOKE, AND BOOM, THE POWER THAT GOD HAD RELEASED THE FIRST MOMENT WE PRAYED NOW CAME INTO MANIFESTATION. AND I'M TELLING YOU, WE CAN DO THINGS LIKE THIS. WE HAVE AUTHORITY AND POWER THAT DANIEL DIDN'T HAVE, AND WE CAN PRAY DIFFERENTLY. TODAY I'M OUT OF TIME, BUT REAL QUICKLY, WE'VE GOT THIS BOOK ON A BETTER WAY TO PRAY, A STUDY GUIDE, DVDs, CDs, AND PLEASE GET THESE MATERIALS. I PROMISE YOU THEY WOULD HELP YOU. WELL, THE MINISTERS CONFERENCE FOR ME, IT'S REALLY A TIME OF REFRESHING. 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 REFRESHING TIME WITH GOD. IT'S THE MOST REFRESHING TIME OF MY YEAR. Andrew's complete teaching titled, A Better Way to Pray, is available as a book in either English or Spanish. Today, Andrew would like to offer this book as his free gift to you. Go to awmi.net to get your copy today. A Better Way to Pray is also available as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast and as a companion study guide. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Our helpline is closed today to allow our employees to celebrate the holiday. But you can always visit our website at awmi.net. 
We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Join us again next week on The Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack. I want to encourage you to join me next week. We are beginning three weeks of teaching on healing. We are actually going to be playing our Healing is Here conference from 2019. We're going to be playing Healing Journeys, and we're also going to be playing a portion of our Healing University. I tell you, it's going to be impossible for you to watch all of this and stay sick. You will be blessed. So join us as we continue the Gospel Truth broadcast, specifically talking about healing. That's next week on The Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack.